the Skyflow Stoics podcast where presenters Robert Kuhn and Colin Hay present ancient Stoic philosophy to modern ears in the hope that people may find some inner freedom. So welcome everybody back to another episode of the Scotland Stoics. Our guest today is Jonas Salzgeber, who is an author of numerous Stoic articles, a blog, and a successful books. He's also the founder of NJ Life Hacks, which will be discussed later in the program. So welcome, Jonas. How are you? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. I'm uh, doing pretty well today. <laughs> Thank you. Had a good day. What, what have you been doing today? Uh, I've done a lot of reading. And I chatted with a girl from Holland, and yeah, I had good lunch and good dinner. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, yeah. man. I've still to get my dinner. Looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to it. I did a run there, so my belly's rumbling, but we'll get this done first because this is more important than my belly. So thanks and good to see you, man. Um, I'm going to start off with what we do in the Scotland Stoic podcast. And I'll try and speak a little bit slower, Jonas, because I know you're from Switzerland, which you're going to discuss in a minute. And I'm from Scotland. And I says to you just before we came on the, the programme that your English is probably better than mine because I'm from Scotland. And our grasp of the English yep. language is not always the best. And especially mine, Colin, as you know, from where I'm from, just outside Glasgow. Yep. So I'll try and speak slow just to get, to get so you can understand me, Jonas, okay? A good um, idea for me as well, Bob, if you speak slowly <laughs> for me too. <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. So, Jonas, uh, I'd like to, what we do in this podcast, which is a little bit different from other podcasts, is we want to get to know our guests before we start talking about philosophy. So, the question I'm going to ask you first, Jonas, is can you tell us uh, where you're from and what was it like your relationship with your brother growing up? Because obviously your brother being Nellis that we'll talk about later. But can you tell us a wee bit about what it was like growing up together and where you came from? So I'm still still living where where I grew up in Thun. It's this close city in Switzerland, close to Bern, which is the capital city. And yeah, I'm just living five minutes away from where I grew up. <laughs> and I grew up with Niels, but yeah. we are actually four brothers. So oh, okay. we we're the middle two, and well, yeah, we we've always had a good relationship, you know, the two of us, but actually all four of us, and it was, you know, it was a privilege, you know, growing up with four brothers or three brothers. We're the four, and um, you know, we did a lot of sports and stuff, and we were always enough, you know, to play together. And of course, there were fights, but. Um, you know, like with all children, but we, we still have a really good relationship in our family, you know, also with our parents and we still meet each other, uh, yeah, very often and uh, we spend a good time together. So it was fantastic growing up with my brothers and now I've been living with Niels for five years so obviously now we we got to know each other even better and um you know it's it's good growing or growing up together and still learning from each other and spending time with each other 
Yeah, yeah good stuff. Can you, sorry, can you repeat again? What was the town? What's the town you're from? What's the name of the town? Toon. Toon. It's Toon. T H U N. What's the population? Is it a, is it a big town? Uh, 45,000. Yeah, it's relatively. It's quite big, yeah. And what type of town is it? Is it, is it quite a busy one? Is it cosmopolitan? Is it very mixed? Uh, it's a, I would say it's rather relaxed town. We've got the mountains all yeah. around the city. We've got the mountains and we've got a lake and the river. It's beautiful, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so good living here. And uh, yeah, we've, we're just uh, five minutes from the lake. So we go there on a regular basis, at least in summer, and we go there for a swim and having a good time uh, swimming and playing ball and stuff, yeah. Yeah, we've got plenty of nice lakes where we stay, but from Scotland, we call them lochs. You know, it's a loch, that's what it's called. That's our name oh, yeah. for a lake, but it's just a, it's just a fancy name for a lake, you know. Uh, but we, like in Scotland, we've got lots of nice hills too. So if I ever come and visit you, you can show us your house and come over to Scotland, I'll show you others, okay? <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> um, so you were talking about some of the, the hobbies that you had growing up in Switzerland. What kind of hobbies did you do with your brothers? Did you play football? Did you play hockey? Did you do skiing? What did you do? Yeah, mainly football. So until today, we've played a lot of football. and We still play football together. Now in summer, we just go to the lake and play football or we meet friends to play football. As kids, we also played, you know, hockey. Just, uh, you know, you know, it was outside hockey with floorball sticks. And uh, our dad always joined us. So that's a couple of friends. So we grew up, you know, doing lots of different kinds of sports also played uh, badminton and tennis and and in winter obviously here in Switzerland we went skiing we have all the the best mountains here and uh, it's perfect for skiing and snowboarding and all kind of uh, winter sports yeah, yeah and I, I, I love swimming as well here in the in the lake or in the loch yeah, um, you lock, yeah, you got it, you got it, you need to get a lock. Lock. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> get a Scotsman out, you're ready, mate. <laughs> and actually here in Switzerland, we have this thing called uh, river boating or something like this. So we, we have this beautiful river here from my hometown in Thun, and we go to the capital city. It's around three hours and you're just on a rubber boat. Mm-hmm. Having a good time, drinking a beer and enjoying, you know, just uh, the fresh air, the water and being around uh, great people. Sounds excellent, mate. Sounds really yeah. good. Thank you. Colin, you want to ask the next question? Yeah, bef- before that, um, yes, a football fan then, uh, John. Ah, who, yeah, who, I was thinking that, yeah. Who's your team? Who, which team do you support? Um, well, my home team is after Toon. And in the Premier League, I support Arsenal. Oh, okay, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're we're opposite sides of the old firm. Uh, Bob and myself. I'm a Rangers fan, and Bob's a Celtic fan. Uh, but oh. uh, when's the first old firm game? Is it next next month? Yeah, seventeenth of October. So there'll be a wee bit of rivalry, Jonas, between us that day. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think you both have uh, Swiss strikers now. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's doing. Uh, Jet is doing good. He's doing really well, really well. Bob's been practicing some premeditato malorum <laughs> the build up to the big game. Yeah. <laughs> Preparation of it. Okay. Um right, Jonas, so we'll start talking about your book in a wee minute, but what was your what was your first introduction to Stoicism? Um I thought it was, you know, Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way, because um yeah, he talks to it's based on the Stoic idea from Marcus Aurelius, you know, what stands in the way becomes the way. But actually, I've read the um, Jonathan Haidt's happiness hypothesis okay. many years earlier, but um, I think it was one of my earliest books I read in English and I didn't get much out of that book. So but I reread it last year and uh, I learned that he. Yeah, he sh shared something from Epictetus as well. Okay. But then it was really the obstacle is the way that introduced me to Stoic philosophy and which got me interested in, you know, this philosophy. And so I decided to dive deeper and learn more and more about this wonderful philosophy. Yeah, yeah I think for a lot of people, that's the first book that they, they, they pick up or one of the first books they pick, pick up is a, a Ryan Holiday one. Um, so... In terms of ancient Stoic authors, who did, who was the first ancient Stoic that you sort of went to after reading uh, The Obstacle is the Way? Either it was Marcus Aurelius' Meditations or maybe it was uh, in Chiridion because it's uh, such a small book. I, maybe I decided to go with this one first. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly the same, I think. Uh, mm. I'd gone for, I think it was Bill Irvin's book was the first one that I had read and then it was Meditations and I got Meditations in, in Kairidin at the same the same time and I sort of uh, moved, moved between the two. Um, yeah, good good to know. Um, yeah, I was Bill Irvine too, that was the first book I read. Was, that was when it kind of opened up for me, but yeah, it was a great book. Yeah, it was a, a decent book. A few things that maybe... I wasn't so keen on it, yeah. but that's for another day. No, um, so let's let's talk about your book. Um, so I, I, in it, you address the misconception that stoicism is about stiff upper lip, uh, about suppressing your emotions. You use a wolf metaphor to explain stoicism and emotions. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about that? Because I think uh, it was a really... Well, I, I really liked how you how you told that, and I know there's a lot of people out there that still think stoicism is about uh, being like Spock. So tell us about that wolf metaphor that you used. Yeah. So yeah, that's what people think. You know that Stoics just suppress their emotions and they have a heart of stone or something. But when you or I thought, you know, when you read these texts, you, you find that actually the Stoics they are emotional. You know, Marcus Aurelius, you know, when he writes about his children, I think, many of which died, you know, and he obviously was sad and he didn't want them, you know, to die so early, you know, as no parents probably wants to die, you know, to see their uh, children die. And so with the emotions, 
it's just what I get from Stoic philosophy, right? So oftentimes we get impulsive in situations. So, you know, something happens and then we, we react almost automatically, you know, like bam, and we react. And that's, uh, you know, from our first impression and we get emotional and we react. And the Stoics, they just try not to go with this automatic uh, reaction, uh, with the emotional reaction. They try to, you know, pause and reflect and, you know, basically ask yourself whether you want to go with that first impression or not. So it's much more about, you know, calming yourself down so you don't need to follow those emotions. But you, you see the emotions and you acknowledge them, you accept them. This is how I feel right now. And my default reaction would be, you know, I don't know, to hit on the table or something. And then the Stoics try to, yeah, more, more like tame the emotions. Um, so you're not no longer a slave to your emotions, but you, you, you're taming your emotions and you get to decide whether you move along or not. And in the book, yeah, I wrote about uh, this wolf, <laughs> emotional wolf that, um, you know, that comes out and then we act automatically. And these are our, you know, strong, often negative emotions that make us do stuff that we don't really want to do or say. And with practice, we become able, you know, to not listen to that wolf or hear the wolf, but, you know, still doing what we believe is right. So, yeah. as you said, yeah, it's not about suppressing emotions. It's more about controlling is a strong word, but it's, you know, taming the emotions that so you, yeah, you, you hold yourself back a little bit and you're aware of the emotions, but you wait and decide for yourself whether you want to act or not. Yeah, great, great, yeah. Um, like that, <clears throat> you, you feel that, you know, if you get angry, you know, you feel your your fists clenching, um, you maybe feel your heart racing a wee bit, but, you know, you recognise that and you, you decide, if I follow this course of action, I'm not going to be acting in a, a virtuous manner. I'm not going to be the best example of myself. I'm not going to be the best dad or the best son or the best teacher in this moment. Let me let me leave that there. Let me halt that and let me take the right, right course of action. And then later on maybe you can go back to that and think, okay, what, what was the what was the cause of that? What was the what was the issue? And maybe address address the the underlying thing there but just being able to recognize that I think is is the, one of the most difficult <laughs> difficult things for a lot of people um, yeah. but yeah I really liked how you described your inner, the inner wolf that uh, immensely powerful when you let it loose uncontrollable but when you when you're able to tame it you, you hear it you hear it growling uh, but you don't you don't let it drag you away in a different direction yeah great yeah you're right it definitely requires, um, you know, the aware awareness in the situation. 
that's I mean the first step is always to recognize you know this often it's like a, an unconscious or subconscious program running uh, within us uh, that we have maybe from childhood or somewhere and if you if we can recognize these patterns we yeah you, as you said you can go back and ask yourself okay in this situation I got angry and maybe you with some distance, you can ask yourself, why did you get angry in the first place? Or how did you judge the situation in the first place? So this anger came up and with some distance, you get to know yourself basically. And so you get some self-awareness and the more you know about yourself, I think the better you get at, you know, re responding, you know, the way you, you believe is right. Yeah. It's about self-awareness, getting to know yourself and your subconscious programming. So you, in the next, or the next time something similar happens, you, you already know what you want to look out for and what's the danger here. And yeah, you get to know yourself and you get better and better with practice as with everything else, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that for me, it's that, paying attention to that the present moment being being aware I think that's that's the, diffi the difficult aspect and uh, I think a lot of people might be similar right Bob uh, you've got a you've got a question about the book as well haven't you oh yeah so in the book Jonas um, use the stoic triangle as a means to explaining stoicism can you expand on both the explanations of what eudaimonia is and arity. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I tried to come up with the visual, you know, uh, image of, or, you know, way to explain Stoic philosophy, just mainly for myself, you know, so I can understand this philosophy, but also, yes, yeah, to explain it to others in a simple way and so you have this triangle and in the middle you have eudaimonia and i chose to go with this greek word um i think most ancient philosophies agreed on this as the goal of life eudaimonia which is uh, in greece like you daimon you want to be good with your highest self or you want to be good with your soul. Yeah. Um, so. Inner demon, isn't that? Demon, it's the opposite of that. It's inner demon or diamond and your kind of vital spark, your, your inner self, isn't it? Yeah, it's your divine spark. Divine, yeah. divine spark, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's, it depends on what makes sense for you, right? I mean, for some, it's perfectly fine to talk about the soul so your soul, your highest yeah. self, for some it's yeah. easier to, to say your best version of yourself. For some it's the divine potential. I think it doesn't really matter uh, what we use. I think you should use something that works for you and makes sense for you. For me, highest version works fine, but also a soul. So that's the goal of life. And it often gets translated as happiness but that's why I chose to go with eudaimonia because happiness is more of a fleeting phenomenon. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, always up and down. Yeah, it's a feeling, yeah, rather yeah. than a purpose, yeah. 
And there's another translation of eudaimonia, which is to flourish, which I actually prefer much more. I prefer that one too, yeah. Yeah. And here's, um, so you have eudaimonia or flourish. And how do you get there? And that's the goal of life. How do you get there? You get there via arete. And that often gets translated as virtue. But it's basically expressing your best self moment to moment to moment. And for the Stoics, expressing your best self in every moment is enough to get to the good life. And what I find really interesting is that now in positive psychology, there's uh, Martin Seligman, who's a leading researcher and who's the, you know, the founder of uh, this, uh, this science. Uh, he, has, he says exactly the same. He says, uh, flourish, and uh, you get to flourish uh, by virtuous behavior so you it's the same thing basically as the stoics said and I, I really like that because it's some proof that stoicism works or that there's some truth in it and for me that's great and um, I really enjoy you know comparing this ancient wisdom to modern science and seeing that today they're using so you know the practices are almost the same the stoics used you know 2000 years ago and i i think that's fantastic and the stoics would be yeah proud maybe not but they would really enjoy this research you know that people now um, more and more use their strategies you know to get to to flourish yeah and just to finish the stoic uh, happiness triangle so you have Eudaimonia at the center as the goal, you want to flourish in life. You get there via arete, by expressing your best self moment to moment to moment. And the Stoics, they used a very uh, simple strategy to, to know, to make it easier to express your best self. And that's, um, you know, make the best use of what's in your power and take the rest as it happens. Yeah. Or basically, you know, the Stoics, said there's things you control and things you don't control focus yeah. on the things you control so that would be the second corner of that triangle the first being arete the second focus on the things you control and these things are enough to flourish in life according to the stoics and this brings us to this third corner which is we are responsible for the yeah. good life or we are responsible to flourish because those things are within our control. So I made this third corner, um, take responsibility, um, because I think it's an important theme, you know, in Stoic philosophy, you know, this idea that you are able to respond to the situation. So if we look at the word responsibility, sorry, responsibility, we are able to respond to Whatever we're facing, so we are responsible, you know, to express our best, basically, and focus on the things we control. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, that stoic triangle from the book. No, it makes perfect sense to me. And where I use it in my own life, you know, just reflecting on it, especially on the part about being arity and responsibility and achieving eudaimonia is by taking responsibility and being the best human being I can be 
you know, the Stoics say that we'll never, we will never be the ideal sage, but try your best to achieve as close to that as you can. And on a daily basis, Jonas, for myself, I try and be a good father to my son. I try and be there for my, my, my daughter, stepdaughter. I try and be there for the people who are close around about me. And for myself as well, within my local community, I do a lot of work around addiction issues and, and just trying to help human beings as a, as a whole, you know. Um, so it makes perfect sense to me. It makes perfect sense. So I, I thank you for that um, simple but very, very uh, worthwhile explanation. I think it's very, very good, mate. Thank you. Um, the next question I was going to ask you, right, so... Can I just put in for a Just on your, your, your triangle, I know you've got eudaimonia at, at the, at the centre, so are you saying like that's what your the goal is to get that, or is the goal to be, achieve areti or achieve excellence and eudaimonia comes as a result of that? You know, and rather than chasing happiness or, or flourishing, you're chasing human excellence. And then as a result, you get eudaimonia. Yeah. Does that makes sense? Yes. You know, when I, I've been working, you know, more on, on other things now, also, you know, related to Stoic philosophy. And I think now I would take Arete as well in the center of the triangle because it's the goal as well you know because through arete you will you know flourish so but because arete alone is enough you know it's the goal itself yeah. so yeah i would agree with you that you could put arete at the center which is the goal and then find strategies you know that help you express your best self in every moment. Okay. Yeah. It's the, the flourishing for the Stoics is a byproduct mm. uh, from expressing yeah. your best self. Yeah, you're right. Because I think the, the Epicureans, it would be the it would be the, the goal wouldn't it? it would be freedom from passions and pain and but seeking that uh eudaimonia. Like, sorry, Bob. <laughs> No, that's good. Sorry, Colin, I should have asked you if you wanted to give me questions anyway. Um, next up, I've got, right, you stated in the book, your book, Jonas, um, he says, accept whatever happens to you and make the best of it. Can you expand on this? Yeah. Um, I probably wrote that a couple of times. <laughs> it's from Epictetus. There's a quote saying like, um, Make the best use of what's in your power and take the rest as it happens. And I would maybe turn this around. So you have take what happens or accept whatever happens and make the best with it. And because maybe it makes a bit more sense to accept the situation you're facing or the situation you're in or your reality and then try to make the best of it or with it. And I, I spoke at Stoicon last October, and there I talked a little bit about this, that you, yeah, you turn this Epictetus quote around and take what happens and make the best with it. 
and then I, I said you get like a, an upward spiral because life always offers more and more challenges or yeah, challenging situations and also opportunities. So you take reality as it is, try to make the best with it, and then there's another obstacle and yeah. you do the same again. Yeah. You take it as it is, try to make the best with it. And if we're really trying our best, we will move upwards over time. And maybe we will uh, fail a couple of times, but still over the years, yeah, if, if we're trying our best, we will move upwards. So we have this upward spiral with this simple strategy to, to just try to make the best with the given circumstances and an important part of this is you know to face reality as it is and this you know this acceptance can be really tough at times because reality um, can be terrible it can be really sad and you know it can be tragic and it's yeah, it's, it's life. And I mean, I've, I, I think I've been lucky in my own life, so I didn't really have many tra tragedies. So I can only speak for myself, but life will always give you, you know, really challenging moments and situations and acceptance is often far from easy. And so I try to look at things, how we can, or, yeah, how can we accept things easier? And I found uh, helpful uh, practices in Eckhart Tolle's books. Yeah, yeah good book. Yeah, Power Now. Yes, these three um, ideas. So you want to be non judgmental of what happens. So you, it sounds easy, but you try not to judge whatever happens. And uh, if you're interested, I'm going to tell you a story in a minute about this, one of my favorite stories. So you want to be non-judgmental, then you want to be uh, uh, non-attached. Yeah. And the Stoics speak about this many times, especially uh, Marcus Aurelius, you know, um, you know, the impermanence of things, you know, everything changes and uh, nothing lasts forever, right? Uh, he, he said something like, um, today, a drop of semen, tomorrow, a pile of ash and bones. Or something <laughs> like this. It's very true. And uh, so I think people forget, you know, that nothing lasts forever and we are mortal and our friends or the people we love will die as well. Plus everything we own um, can be taken away, you know, and things can break and we can lose basically everything we have. We don't really own these things. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Seneca who said that he thinks of everything as borrowed from nature. So we can look, if you look at it, this way these are all gifts but not to keep but only to use for as long as nature has given them to us and after that we have to or we can return them so 
we don't want to be too attached. This is helpful as well when it comes to uh, acceptance. So non-judgmental, non-attached, and the third would be non-resistance to what happens. Um, yeah, that's basically acceptance of, of the situation. And yeah, now I'm happy to tell you one of my favorite stories about non of being non-judgmental. Um, um, please, please oh, do, please do. Yeah. We like we like a story. Yeah, maybe you, you've heard of it before. It, it's the, the maybe story, and people have told it differently. I like the one told by Alan Watts. I think yeah, he was yeah. a, an English yeah. author. Yeah, and uh, it's the story of the Chinese farmer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll just quickly tell it. So, once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer, and he lost a horse. It ran away. So all the neighbors came to the farm and said, oh, that's terrible, isn't it? And the farmer said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back and brought seven wild horses with it. Now again, all the neighbors came to the farm and said, oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? And he said, maybe. The next day, the farmer's son tried to tame one of the wild horses and he fell off the horse and broke a leg. And now again, all the neighbors came to the farm and said that's terrible isn't it and he said maybe the next day you know a conscription officers of the chinese army came looking for you know recruiting young men to the army and they rejected the farmer's son because he had a broken leg now again all the neighbors came to the farm and said that's wonderful isn't it and he said maybe <laughs> Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. Really great story. Yeah, I really like it. It's, you know, we never know whether something is really good or bad because we don't know the future. And sometimes, you know, a seeming misfortune will turn out to be actually pretty good. And, and probably the opposite is also true. So I think we can all have some trust in the universe because we're part of the universe. So we can trust that the universe has our back. I tell myself, you know, I'm part of it. So why would it not have my back? So even if this, even if the situation seems uh, really annoying, probably it's going to turn out pretty well. So for me, that's really helpful, you know, to, to accept uh, whatever happens. Yeah. Even if it's sad, you can acknowledge it's sad, but maybe you know that something good will come out of it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I actually, I put a small video up this morning on social media, and it was a Marcus Aurelius quote, round about pain, and if, why wish for our life without pain, and without pain, because that's impossible, so don't ask for the impossible. And I shared it. And what I related a lot to, some of the most painful experiences in my life, Jonas, was like, I've run marathons. Um, I've been, I used to be a, a Muay Thai fighter. Um, I've had a lot of family pains, you know, with tragedies and that. And, but some of the experiences turned out to be so beneficial, you know, through pain. You know, some of the greatest experiences I've ever experienced was through pain. So, yeah, I agree with you that. You know, it's, it's just all, it's all about experience, I think, you know. So thanks for answering. That was a great, great answer you gave us. Um, Colin, would you like to ask getting on to, to Jonas relating to that? 
<laughs> I think he's away uh, separating his kids. Yeah. <laughs> he did warn us that might happen. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll move on to the room and I'll ask you another question then, okay, until uh, Colin comes back. Um, you also in the book, you, I, like the, I really like this analogy. You says in the book, um, you use a poker analogy, stating you can win with any hand. Can you explain this? And it's probably similar to the last question because you probably explained it, but just get a wee bit of detail about it, please. Yeah, I mean, that's classic Stoic philosophy, right? So, you know, in Stoicism, you have good things, you have bad things, and you have indifferent things. Yeah. And good and bad come only from your actions or from your thoughts, actions, judgments. Uh, yeah. Judgment. yeah. So, and everything else is indifferent. It's, it's pretty extreme. So they also have, uh, you know, preferred indifference. You, like, uh, yeah, you'd rather be healthy than sick, you're mm -hmm. rich than poor, but um, still it's indifferent. So again, your actions matter when it comes to good or bad. It's not the situation itself. It's what you do with the given situation. So in in poker, you you're dealt sometimes a good hand, sometimes a bad hand. Um, you can't really complain, right? I mean, <laughs> you're not dealing the cards, and even the dealer doesn't know, you know, the card, the cards he's dealing. And I think we can use that, you know, for life. That that you know, an admirable player is the player who accepts his hands and tries to play it the best he can play. And maybe over the course of a tournament or in or over the course of a lifetime, the players who who continuously trying to play their hands the best they can will come out on top. So it's yeah. not really the hands that matter so much. Probably they do actually, you know, it, in certain aspects because um, we're all privileged. We're here living in Europe and we have a good life. You know, most of us, sure there's tragedies like in, in your own life, but probably we have, we have more chances here in Switzerland and in Scotland than yes, in some other places. So yeah. yeah, it's obviously easy to say these things that the cards don't matter so much, but Still, it's probably partly true, you know, that it depends really what you do with the given situation. And yeah, I mean, in the end, it's all we can do, right? Just to try to take the hand we dealt and making the best with it, with our capabilities at the moment. And yeah, I, I like this analogy. I don't know whether it's true. Actually, I'm no expert at poker. So maybe, I don't know if the players are all more or less the same strength, probably the cards make the difference, but maybe in life it's different. It uh, matters more what we do with the given situation. At least this helps me, you know, to even if, if there's, uh, you know, an annoying situation, you can focus on the things you control. And that's always what you do with the given situation and never you know, just complaining about the, the situation or the cards or whatever won't help you at, at all, right? right? So, yeah. 
poker analogy. <laughs> yeah. I liked it when you were talking about when you were, when you were speaking about the poker analogy. I was actually thinking of the Chinese farmer <laughs> playing a game of poker. You're like, that's a bad hand. He's like, maybe. <laughs> Good hand. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's actually, that's right. you know, maybe you have got a, a three and a two, and the dealer will put three two on the table, and you, you're gonna win. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, absolutely. With that bad hand, so maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to explain that. Thank you, Colin. Are you back with? Yeah. Can you hear me? Ah, you, dis yeah. you disappeared there. I was asking you a question. Um, Spot headsets. I was. I thought you were separating the kids from killing oh, each other. <laughs> you might hear them in the background. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Um, yeah. Um, I, 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 I did have a wee point about that last that last thing. I think uh, Jonas, you mentioned it, the universe. If you think the universe is you're part of that universe. I think if you've got that perspective, it certainly helps with accepting what happens or if you believe in a God or a bigger picture and stuff like that, I think uh, it's much easier to take take that message, accept what happens. But if you don't, I think that, I think that might be a bit more difficult for people, but I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I do believe in something bigger, so I wouldn't, know what it was like not to 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 sort of take that perspective just acceptance so well, one that maybe some some of our listeners might be able to respond to uh, and let us know what their thoughts on that point do they find that difficult or not accepting things accept whatever happens to you and make the best yet can they do that as easily as someone that believes in something bigger i don't know um moving on though um can you tell our listeners a bit more about um, is the NJ Life Hacks. What is it? How did it come about? Yeah, so NJ Life Hacks, it's uh, <laughs> NJ stands for Niels and Jonas. So we started uh, that blog, you know, we started in 2015. Uh, we didn't have a clue, you know, what we were doing. And um, <laughs> we thought it's a good name. <laughs> And Jay Lifefax, and so it's still our our blog rewriting on. And um, so we started because I didn't know what to do with my life, uh, basically. And we talked a lot, Niels and I. He was already working or trying to work online. And yeah, we, we talked for many nights and had some, you know, ideas and one thing led to another and we started this blog and so i first wrote about sleep <laughs> because i was really interested in sleep and we both actually interested in biohacking and you know improving our energy because we believe yeah the more energy you have the the easier it gets you know to do the things you you want to do so and we're interested in nutrition, but we, yeah, one thing led to another again, and uh, we read a lot of books, and so, you know, uh, sooner or later I stumbled upon Stoic philosophy, and 
somehow that became my thing. And it's actually funny, you know, I never planned on writing a book. It was uh, Niels. We were living in Egypt at uh, that time <laughs> because we thought, that, hey, if we were uh, working online, we can work from anywhere. Why not work on the beach? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, we moved to Egypt to Sharm el Sheikh and tried to, you know, burn the boats, if you know the saying, you know, just to leave everything behind and go all in with that online business. And uh, so we moved to Sharm el Sheikh. And yeah, it was Niels who, you know, he urged me, yeah, Jonas, you, you've written a lot about Stoic philosophy. You've read so many books and you should write the book. And uh, then I was there with this uh, idea of his, you know, uh, I should write the book. And yeah, he, I, <laughs> it's funny how it turns out, you know, uh, the book is has turned out well, and um, I'm really grateful it did. It's and I, number one bestseller. It was a number one bestseller. Um, I was on the Donald Robertson's Stoicism Facebook page uh, last week, and there was there's been a couple of posts about your book recently. And the first one that went up had over 250 likes and loves on it, which was uh, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, Niels has written a lot about procrastination, for example, on the blog. And uh, I'm, yeah, in the recent years, I mainly wrote about Stoic philosophy. And I plan on continuing, you know, writing about Stoicism because I think it's a, such a big topic. And people are interested in the topic and I'm interested in the topic. And most importantly, it for me, it's been really helpful, you know, in everyday life. Um, yeah, things get easier, you know. Um, suddenly, you know, the struggles are no struggles anymore. They're just opportunities and you're glad about them. And yeah, I, I see the the benefits in my own life and I want to share it with other people and so we continue writing on that blog and reading good books and writing about them uh, yeah just we always learning and growing like, like all of us and yeah we don't know what the future holds but uh, uh, we we're glad we're here <laughs> Yeah, we're glad you're here, here as well. We'll be talking to each other. Uh, so, uh, Jonas, is stoicism a way of life or is it a life hack or can it be both? Uh, for, uh, I'd say it's, a, it's a more of a way, a way of life, you know, um, it's like um, a sign, you know, signpost that's guiding you in your life. And, you know, yeah, when we started that blog, you know, with the life hacks, we didn't really know what life hacks are in English. <laughs> so 
we didn't know that these are more you know quick fixes and stuff so we just thought it's a good name and but life hacks aren't really what we're after we're more yeah way of life or life philosophy and you know getting your values together and living you know according to your values so we're not really life hack guys (laughs) i would say but we still have this name and i think yeah it's it's okay i i would say way of life much more than a life hack because you it's not it's not something you can do overnight or you just do once and it will help you it's you know it needs more than that it's it needs commitment and it needs practice it's a really practical philosophy and you can't read a good quote once and it, it won't change your life you need to change your behavior over time and this takes you know it takes some effort and willingness to change and so yeah it's definitely for me a way of life and and it's um something to practice on a daily basis to keep on learning improving and reflecting and then trying to change your behavior and being clear on your values and what you want to stand for in life and yeah what's really important for you in life so you get clear on those things and you you practice you the stoic the stoics wisdom it's really they have so much to share and you cannot read the book and then it will change your life. It takes a lot of effort and practice. But yeah, so maybe just one quote will give you an idea of Stoic philosophy, but then you, it, it requires a lot more from you than just, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's no life hack, I'd say. Yeah, I think we both agree, Bobby. Yeah. Jonas, I've got one last question to ask you. So, and you were talking about the practical elements of Stoicism, which I find that are really good to adhere to my kind of way of thinking. In your book, you give 55 practical exercises that you can use as, as a practicing Stoic. Can you give us one, if you were to give our listeners just one of those exercises, putting you in the spot here, mate. If you were to give our listeners one exercise that they could work on straight away, could you give us it from your 55 that you put in your book? Thank you. Um, I think for someone willing to change for the better or willing to express their best self, what's probably most most helpful is uh, a nightly reflection routine. So I would probably start there, uh, yeah, do a reflection. Yeah, for me, it's the night that works best. So in the evening, ask yourself what went well and maybe what went not so well, you know, where can you, what could you do better next time? So just take your time to sit down, take out your journal and the pen and ask yourself what went well that day and then you will over time become more aware of your actions throughout the day and so this will improve your moment-to-moment awareness and you will be able to respond 
properly or you will become able to respond the way you uh, believe is right to respond. So I would probably start with the reflection routine because this improves your uh, awareness and yeah, it's good to do that uh, in the evening because it calms you down and gives you, you know, you can look back on the day. So yeah, you can ask yourself uh, basically any questions. You can just journal, you know, and ask yourself what went well and what you could do better. And that's it. That's, that's probably the, the first practice I'd recommend. No, I think that's a great answer. I, I, I journal quite a lot myself, actually. Most I do mind in the morning, but reflecting the day before. But it doesn't matter. Just for me, that's yeah. what I do. But I think it's it's a it's a practice that's very very beneficial, and it shows you the progression that you're making, especially with practice and stoicism. So thanks for that, Jonas. Um, Colin, have you got anything to add? No, I'd, I'd agree. That so that's the thing I'd pick as well. The thing that made the biggest difference for me is that. That evening reflection, what did I do well, what did I do badly? Uh, did I miss any opportunity to be to be my best? And it was for me it was that one, that last one. Did I miss any opportunity? Because the next day, if you know, I'd see something going on and I'd go, oh, I'll ignore that. And then I'd remember that night, oh no, I should have acted there. And then the next day I wouldn't make the same mistake. So now I'm constantly going about not not missing that opportunity to be the best the best picking up litter wherever I go and stuff like that um, so <laughs> uh, but I I think for me that's the one I'd recommend as well because it, it has a positive impact and did in my life anyway um, when, it, when, I, when I go on that streak of journaling I notice big improvements in my, my daily behaviours yep that's fine Excellent, thanks, Colin. And Jonas, that was excellent. We've came to the end of the, the interview, more or less, but there's a couple of things I'd like to ask you just before you go. Um, could you tell our listeners where they can get in contact with you? Um, yeah, I'm not really active on social media. So, um, yeah, they can flick me an email if they feel like uh, sending me an email at jonas at anjlifehacks.com. Or yeah, they can pick up the book where yeah, anywhere where books are sold, the little book of stoicism, or they can find us on our website or the blog anchelifefacts.com, and they're gonna find the, the email as well there, and they can read a little bit about Niels and me, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> And, be, and just before you go, can you tell us, uh, if you can, are you working in any current book or have you got anything coming in the pipeline, coming through in the pipeline? Uh, I've been working on an online course, actually, but okay. uh, it's it's far from ready. Okay. And But I've come up with a, a couple of ideas for, for my next book through through that work. So I plan on writing another book, which will yeah, be... Stoicism Plus, I would say, you know, add a bit more to it from what I've learned recently. And, um, but yeah, I don't know how long it's going to take or whether it's going to, you know, happen or not, but um, hopefully. Yeah, good. And when you Maybe. do that, we'll get you back on and you can speak about the next book. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, thank you again, mate. You've been an absolutely fantastic guest. Um, it's been really, really beneficial and worthwhile. I'm sure you agree with that, Colin. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was lovely chatting to you, Jonas. Yeah. And for the next episode, for everybody, just to let them know, we'll have Clive Wright on. Clive is a recovered uh, addiction specialist, and he'll be talking about how he uses stoicism to help people with alcoholism and drug addiction. So it'll be really an interesting um, interview. So stay with us and stay tuned to the next episode. And I'll just thank you once again. Thank you, Jonas. Thank you, Colin, my good friend. And I'll see you all soon, OK? Thanks, guys. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.